Tonight, we have been let down by technology. So we're going into some old world technology. Not the oldest world technology, otherwise it would be a blackboard and I'd have talk. So this is a whiteboard and I'm going to use, I don't know what it is. What's in these things anyway? Marker boards. So, how many of you remember chalkboards? Because you actually had to clean the eraser at school. Really? You guys had to clean the eraser? Really? Where did you have to clean your Kindergarten? That was about the end of it, wasn't it? Do they? I thought they all went to those electronic boards, that, smart boards or something. And no one knows how to use it, just relics. All right. We have our timelines. This is heaven and this is earth. And we're going to be examining some of the events that uh, occur there. Um, we have moved pretty far. Let me just uh, very quickly draw these things in. I set them right here somewhere, didn't I? They're going to tell me they're in my pocket. I put some over there. Okay, I put some right in there. I'm losing my mind. All right, we had a scroll. And that scroll had seven seals. And, and uh, here's the cross, if you want to. And here's the empty grave, empty tomb. And we have the resurrection and the ascension of Christ to heaven. And we had him uh, introduced with a scroll. We are introduced to a seven-sealed scroll. And we had seen that out of the seven seals, we broke four of them right away. And we developed four horsemen. We then saw a fifth... I didn't draw enough, did I? <laughs> uh, seven. And we had a fifth one that was also the martyrdom of the saints. All of them going on throughout the church age. We were waiting for the sixth one. We studied that, the breaking of the sixth seal. And that breaking of the sixth seal produced um, some violent things on the earth. And so we, this is not necessarily a judgment of God, but we do have the violence of earthquakes. Um, we have um, the... Uh, uh, Stars falling from the heavens. Um, we'll put that in quote. It's not stars as we would know them, um, but meteors. Uh, we have uh, also the, the unusual clouds, and we have the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And so we have um, all men seeing that. Uh, in the midst of that, uh, before anything further can go, we've had the sealing of the 144,000 in a very unique, salvific uh, setting before the church is taken up. At the conclusion of that, we saw this arrival of this large entourage in heaven. And the arrival in heaven of the church. And we saw that in chapter 7. I'm sorry. Yeah, chapter 7. So we have the church arriving in heaven. So in the midst of the breaking of this sixth seal, we have this occurring on earth, and in the midst of that, we have the rapture of the church. Oh, my blue marker is not doing very well. You probably can't see that back there, can you, Diane? Can you see the little blue wrap, the thing? Okay. So we have the rapture of the church in conjunction with the sixth seal. They arrive in heaven. We have their full description given to us um, and 
we now have an opportunity to get to the seventh seal. And we have already broken that in our study as well. And when the seventh seal is broken, we can now unroll the scroll, correct? We, couldn't, we haven't seen the contents of the scroll. Uh, these seals have been fundamentally telling us what's drawing forth in this. And this is throughout this entire church age from the cross to the rapture. We find the four horsemen. We find the martyrdom of the saints. And uh, we are waiting for that sixth seal. And that sixth seal is unmistakable. For one thing, we're going to be translated in the midst of that, and that hasn't happened. But it's going to be unmistakable to everybody. Everyone will see this. Everyone will see a sign of the Son of Man. Everyone, this is a global catastrophic event. And so, in the midst of that, um, we will have the rapture of the church. And our arrival in heaven precipitates action now. Now we can break the seventh seal um, because the church age is done. And so now it's time to unroll the document that gives Christ the uh, title deed, if you will, or the inheritance that is promised to him. And so now instead of a rolled up scroll, um, and Ken was going to give us a really spiffy thing of this. Instead of a rolled up scroll, we have an unrolled scroll. And that's going to take us the contents of that scroll, I shouldn't have done it there. I did it in the wrong place. See, we practiced this. It's really easy for him to just move it. Not easy for me to redraw it. Here we go. And so the contents of the scroll now are going to take us far into the future. They're going to take us all the way to the end. Not a lot of time compared to this time. This is you know, nearly 2,000 years from the resurrection to the uh, catching up of the church. Um, and so we, we have the scroll unrolling. And we still need this line, too, so it looks like there's still more going. But we're finally going to see the contents of the scroll. Remember last year, week, we looked at the silence. That this act of breaking that seventh seal brought utter silence in heaven. i got to think about where I'm going. Not silence there, but silence up here. So we had utter silence in heaven for half an hour, which is unheard of. As far as we know, that has never occurred in history. Um, We don't have any record of heaven ever being a quiet place. Um, It's boisterous. There's lots of activity. There's many people making a lot of sounds. Um, So if your idea of heaven is this quiet little place where you hear every now and then a broom. Um, That's just not the heaven the Bible ever portrays. This is a happening place. There is activity. There is noise. There's people shouting. There's people uh, throwing themselves on the floor before God. Um, But for 30 minutes in heaven, at the breaking of the seventh uh, seventh seal, we had utter silence in heaven. So we're into chapter 8. And we are now uh, about to see what that silence entails and, and where it's going to take us. So if you want to turn to Revelation chapter 8, if you haven't already turned there, we're going to press this much farther uh, through chapter 8. Um, and uh, perhaps into chapter 9, if I get really rolling. Um, we saw that there's something that's going to precipitate action. And I want to really look at what's going on in heaven before we look at what's going to be poured out on earth. I'm going to erase all this, and we're going to look at the 
what's, what's going to happen, but I want to see what precipitates it. We talked about it last week, but I didn't visualize it for you, and I want to do that. Uh, I know you can't see yellow. Maybe I'll write it in orange and you can see it. Uh, at the throne of God, and again, I don't have a throne like we have in the other pictures, so this is the throne of God. It's pretty, sorry, but um, it's there. The throne of God, remember, there's been a few people who have seen this place. Um, John isn't the only one. Uh, probably one of the first ones that we really know saw the throne room of God, um, because it's also the temple of God in heaven was Moses. Uh, because God takes him there and says, I want to show it to you, because it's the pattern of what you're going to build on earth. And in this throne room of God, because we know this is here because of the pattern, because it's in the tabernacle, um, if you want to think of the throne room of God as being the holy of holy place, where the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, maybe we should draw this like an Ark of the Covenant with two cherubim um, covering the seat, but that's the comparison to the throne of God. Um, and we really write it with a western throne that's like that, but... Uh, uh, you do realize that the eastern thrones are, don't have necessarily a back to them at all. They're almost like a bench. Very ornate, but oftentimes just like a bench. Um, in front of that, the only other piece of, the, the closest piece of furniture to the throne of God uh, is, let's see if I can do You can't see that, I know, but it's important to me that I can see it. Is an altar. It's the closest furniture to the Holy of Holy place that's not in the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, there's the Ark of the Covenant, the throne of God. Um, the closest place to that, remember, for Israel, there was a, a heavy, multi-layered uh, covering between the, the Ark and this altar. Um, and that was torn apart at Christ's death, where he broke down that barrier between the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies. And... Um, and so uh, the, the barrier wasn't there in heaven. The barrier was there uh, in the model that Moses made to represent the, the separation between man and God. That we couldn't achieve that. And, um, but the altar of incense is the closest one. And uh, again, what's it an altar for? Incense. It's real easy. And so it had four horns on the altar. Um, it was uh, essentially... Um, uh, square uh, in length and width, um, height uh, taller than that. And uh, within there, there would be some kind of depression or bowl in which there would be a small fire for burning of incense. And so you have this incense, it, 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 this altar is already there. So this altar has been present all the way through. It was there way back in Moses' day. It's been there with all the activity of the 24 elders and the four living creatures and all of this. We haven't really focused on this altar at all. John hasn't really uh, spoken much about it. We, we've talked about the seven spirits. He's seen a lot of things. But remember, uh, when you arrive in a place like this, uh, it's going to be overwhelming. And it doesn't surprise you that uh, certain details are going to crop up later um, as they become the center point. Right now, the center point is going to become the altar. Um, once tension is turned off the scroll. So the scroll's been open, and now we have an altar of incense that becomes a center point. And what is offered here is very important. Remember, uh, you guys were here last, last uh, week. What was offered there? Two things. Incense. 
High filling sense. It's a C first. Um, and the prayers of the saints. That this is what is offered on this altar. And again, not just all the prayers, but particularly the prayers that call for God's vengeance, for God to uh, set things right, to, to pour himself out on the earth. And so here in this temple courtroom, uh, throne room, we have poured out on here so that we're wafted in before God the prayers of the saints with this incense. It's carried with a bowl, whether the bowl is placed on there or whether it is poured out on there. Uh, we have the description of it being uh, brought before. It is uh, uh, offered there on the altar of incense and it is um, then mixed with the smoke of the incense. Again, the prayers aren't burned up. It says the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints in verse 4 of chapter 8 is where I'm at, by the way. Uh, ascended before God from the angel's hand. And each time we come to God's judgments, we're going to see this kind of um, judicial ritual to... I hate to use the word justify, but to, but to signify at least the rightness of what's about to come. Because the, the judgments are coming, we look at those and say, man, this is horrible. Well, it's not horrible. It's beautiful because it is the result of God um, answering our prayers and vindicating. Uh, it is justice. And as difficult as it is for us in our modern sensitivities to swallow, um, the gallows are just. The electric chair is just when the person's perpetrated the crime. Now, yes, occasionally the wrong person gets it in this world, but in that world, that'll never happen. And so there's a, there's a just aspect to this, and justice is, uh, and, and judgment itself, we often think of those things as horrible from what has to be endured but remember that this is something that people could have avoided they chose this this in their rebellion in their in their hard-heartedness they've chosen to this to receive this because of the nature of their uh, heart and their life and so um, in response to our prayers comes the first series of judgments and we see that the of seven horns, seven trumpets specifically. And so that's where we're at. I'm going to erase this and we're going to pick up right on the other side of that and start looking at these seven trumpet judgments. But I just want to set the stage that this is on the other side of the rapture. So the church is in heaven. Our prayers are being answered by God's work of judgment. And we are not going to be sorry to see this happen. We are going to be uh, pleased because this is an answer to prayer. Uh, and the idea that somehow, if we have a knowledge that someone we loved on earth is under judgment, that they will be sad in heaven, um, is really a fleshly concept um, that betrays some things in your own heart, a divided allegiance. I'm sorry, that's what it betrays, right? It betrays that, that you're struggling uh, between the righteousness of God and this friend or this relative. Um, and that really should be a no-brainer. 
We should really be have full allegiance to the righteousness of God, full allegiance to the service of God, and um, friend or relative be hanged. I am going to serve God. And the struggle that we have with that is a fleshly one. Um, and it's uh, uh, okay for it to happen now um, because this is the age of grace and compassion, but at that point it's, it's uh, well past. So let's revisit our scroll. Um, we're going to open up on the other side of of the throne, of the altar of incense, and we have seven trumpets. And I'll use orange for gold. And I'm going to put these trumpets, um, they are sounded in heaven, but their results... That's a, that's a really bad trumpet. And they're just going to get worse, I know it, because of what I'm going... Uh, I doubt that Ken could do better. first trumpets, and we're going to see these very similar to the seals. We're going to look at four of them very quickly in succession. There's almost no time frame that's passed. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is why we don't do it this way. They look like noses, don't they? So, i, I got to change this. I can't laugh. I'll just laugh at that every time I see it. All right. And Ken can't hardly control himself. He's going to come up here and draw. And, and probably Jenny and all you artist types are just going, this guy. Is that better? Okay, it's better for me, so. Four horns. Happen in rapid fire. Remember the seals. How did they occur? One, two, three, four. Opened up. Boom, 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 boom. No time frame in between. No hesitation. Really the first five. But the first four were categorized kind of together. And so each of the first four seals produced what? Four horsemen. Okay? So we're going to categorize these first four trumpets in a similar fashion. That they have some similarities about them that there is a, a, a theme that we're going to see in them. Then we're going to see a fifth seal that's going to be very much comparable. Or, I'm sorry, a fifth trumpet is going to be very comparable to the fifth seal. And then we're going to see a space of time. It's not going to be as lengthy a time as what we saw with the fifth seal, where remember they said, how long, how long? And he says, you're going to have to wait till the last one's martyred. Um, we're not going to see that long of a time, um, but we are going to see a space of time before we get to the sixth and then uh, the seventh seal is going to be uh, delayed for a certain event to occur first. And we're going to study that. So let's look at these four, first four here. Uh, they, they close out chapter 8. Let's begin verse 7. It says, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Verse 8, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, 
And a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many people died from the water because it was made bitter. This is not salty, but bittered water, uh, which is a little different. We'll talk about that here in a second. Verse 12. Then the fourth angel sounded, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. And a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. And we have, obviously, a break, right? We had one, two, three, four, and now a break. The angel says... If you think this is bad, wait till you hear the last three. So we kind of have an opportunity to take a breath. So let's look at these. So you tell me, very simply, um, what do these four trumpet judgments have in common? One third. You hear one third out of every one of them. One third, one third, one third, and one third. Can't miss it, can you? Just like with the four seals, you hear... Here comes a horse, here comes a horse, here comes a horse, here comes a horse. Different colored and doing different activity, but still producing the same effect to and fro upon the earth, this ongoing judgment. So, um, in the midst of this, God is, uh, first of all, let me just stop. How many people are killed in these? Some people are going to die on ships because a third of the ships are destroyed. Some people are going to die from drinking the water, but are, is, a, is a significant part of the population going to die? Is a third of the population going to die? No, we don't find that. What's the first horn's assault on? So you have something coming down from the heavens, a fiery object. That's the second thing we need to talk about. Each one of these has to do with the heavenly fires. Oh, I thought I had red. Didn't I have a red here? John. No, I don't have a red. All right, so can't use orange. How about green? This is a... What chemical do you burn to get green flames? I have to go back to my chemistry class and think about that. Copper. Doesn't copper produce a green flame? Salt wood? Okay. So, we have... This is fire. Okay. I have another color I can use. Um, and so we have heavenly fire. Now, this heavenly is not up here in the abode of God heaven, but the heavens. And so coming out of the heavens, we have these uh, fiery elements that are going to be uh, dropped from heaven. And so that first, first uh, horn sounds, the first trumpet sounds, and we find that... Um, Hail and fire is going to fall. All right? And what does that remind you of very quickly? Huh? Fiery hail. What does that remind you of? Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, These are not elements that God hasn't used before. There's only one element that he will not use. Again, he promised he would not use that element. What was it? A flood. He would not destroy the world with a flood. That was what he promised. 
Um, but he has used this element before. And so we have this hail and fire mixed with blood falling to the earth, and it is hitting where? where what is it, what is it uh, affecting? Various vegetation. Correct? Which means, what does it hit? Hmm? Land. It has hit land. So it is falling on the land. As that's falling on the land, um, and I would contend that these four are probably happening almost simultaneously. That is that they have a deliberate order for a certain reason, and we're going to talk about that to get to the fourth one, but um, they are... Uh, in this order, and they're happening very quickly, just like the breaking of the first four seals was boom, 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 boom. Four horsemen out there doing this, correlating with what Christ promised. And so coming out of the second trumpet, what do we see? We see another fiery element coming. It says a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea. So now, instead of the hail fire, we have a, a, a great mountain on uh, fire. And it's thrown into, and now we're into the sea. And so we know what's going to happen in the sea. Uh, it's going to, a third of it is going to be affected by this. That this single entity, this mountain of, of fire, is going to fall in the sea. We're going to see a third of all the life in the sea affected. So I'll just put fish. And I'll put the ships. It adds the ships, which tells us something, um, that this is, affecting everything in that sea, including the waters. And so the waters themselves are going to be uh, uh, full of blood. Remember, that should what brings to mind immediately from that. Water turning to blood. In the Exodus, the, the plagues of Egypt. Okay, that God used that. And so he's going to use these same elements. Uh, none of this is, is unusual, but the scale of it is incredible. We're talking about one-third of the earth's waters Oceans, not fresh waters, but ocean waters being affected by this. It falls into the seas. Okay, now that's the, that's the salt water. Um, you can still live without that. Yeah, a third of the vegetation. We're going to have a rough time with, all, with that being burned up. Uh, a third of our, our resources from the sea are gone. Um, but we're not done. Next comes this next fiery thing um, that has a name. Wormwood. And it's going to affect one-third, it says, of what? A third of the rivers and the springs of water. And again, a great star and the, and the terminology there from Greekdom is, is any heavenly object out there outside of our immediate atmosphere. And so this one is named. It was expected. They saw it coming. And they could do nothing about it. So, how many of you watched the movie Armageddon? With, who is that guy? That does that? Anyway. And they're going to go up there and see the comet coming. And they're going to go blow it up with nuclear devices. They got drilled into the middle of it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, very possible that this is an object they have identified. And have named. Um, and maybe have tried to stop having been hit by these other two, uh, but it says specifically it's going to fall upon your fresh water. The rivers, with that you should think also of lakes, but any of your fresh water. And again, what is the effect? 
it turns them bitter. It embitters the fresh waters, which means you can't drink it. This is not just saltifying it. This is not just a big burning piece of salt. Um, this is uh, going to embitter that, that. And it does say that many died from the water, but it wasn't its primary objective. primary objective was to uh, make life extremely difficult on earth. For the next seven years, you're going to have to exist on one-third of the natural resources that you're accustomed to. In addition to, you're already reeling from what? You're reeling from the sixth seal that was broken on the earth and all the cataclysm it created. Now we look at all of these, and what do you note? They are all coming from the heavens. Even the six seal events can all be attributed to heavenly bodies um, coming to earth. And it's no mistake that we have already conceived this in our entertainment world, in our, in our cataclysmic, uh, apocalyptic entertainment of these kinds of events occurring. Um, it's kind of interesting. Um, a few years back, there was uh, a big sigh of relief uh, among the astronomy group because um, uh, they found a large meteorite. Um, they hadn't seen it until it passed the Earth. They hadn't seen it coming. And uh, they found it on its way out away from Earth. And so the idea that we're going to see all these coming, uh, we already know that in the blackness of space, we don't always see things coming. The scientists know that now. Um, and this was a huge meteorite that uh, they missed. They just never saw it coming, but they did see it leaving, heading away from Earth, having passed through our, what's it called? Orbit. There we go. Our, um, and so um, some of these will be seen. Um, this one was seen long enough to be, called, to be named. This is Wormwood. They name it as it's coming. And its result is going to be embittering or making wormwood out of the fresh waters. And whether there was an expectation of that, whether it had gone up there, whether they anticipated that effect, um, we don't know. But uh, this is uh, how it occurs. And now, with a third of the resources gone, now with this much, <laughs> with this much heavenly, this many heavenly bodies impacting the earth, we have impacts on land, we have impacts at sea, we have impacts in the rivers. What's going to happen to the atmosphere? Some of you have a little understand geology. What's going to happen to the atmosphere? Come on. We have this sizable impact that affects a third of the land masses. <laughs> You're going to have climate change on a scale you, you never believe. Um, this is going to throw up incredible amounts of debris into the atmosphere. Remember, we're talking about fiery things that are going to be burning when they, the vegetation. Um, we're going to talk about, so you have smoke debris, but you also, with the, with, with the impacts, you're going to have dust debris hitting into the upper atmosphere. And so it's no wonder when we get to the fourth trumpet, we see the immediate result is, going to, is out of these. Um, we're going to see what? We're going to see a third of the light or fire of heaven of, of light dimmed. 
Given a third of the light dimming, what should we really be worried about instead of global warming? <laughs> it's gonna, it, it depends. It depends on whether you hold to a greenhouse effect with all the burning um, or into the cooling without the sun's light uh, and the heat that it provides. Uh, but we have an environment now where you are going to have one-third of the light. And that tells you what the atmosphere is going to be like. Um, you're going to be walking around to breathe with masks. Um, it's going to be that significant. And at this point, we break. Now, I want to again compare this fourth seal, I mean this fourth trumpet to the fourth seal. What was the fourth seal? Does anybody remember? It was just death. Death by half. By what means? Yeah. Animals, um, disease, pestilence. Well, doesn't that encompass the three that came before, especially the second and the third, uh, where we had war and we had famine? Um, they brought death, didn't they? Yes. And so this fourth event um, is sort of the culmination of the building of these three um, but God identifies it, the effect of these three as another level of judgment. That he's not going to intervene. That this effect is going to uh, fall on the earth. And so, if you're here on the earth, and you have uh, not, and you've missed the rapture, God is bringing out a fiery judgment. He will not bring it with water. He has promised that after the flood. We have a rainbow in the sky to tell us that. But he will do it this way. And so, we can be assured of it. And this is what awaits them, is a, is a trial by fire right off the bat. And again, I don't see any distance of time between these, but these are in rapid fire, and the effect is culminated here that your atmosphere is going to be horribly filled with debris that will block the sun's light by one-third. How many of you have been somewhere during a solar eclipse? A, a full solar eclipse. Been a, have you been around a full solar eclipse? We, we've had some close ones here, about two-thirds. I don't think we've had a full solar here since I've lived here. Uh, we've had some uh, that have had solar eclipses. I don't think any of them were full, were they? Yeah, it was, it was almost as it was setting. It was way out there. Was that a full one? So um, that would be something comparable, but it's not an eclipse. It's simply the 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 sun just can't get through because of the debris in the air. And I keep referencing what happened in uh, uh, Kuwait when the Iraqis burned all those oil fields all those, and set them all on fire and it just darkened the whole region, even out into the ocean. And so that nature is what we're talking about. And so we have set a stage here that's going to be make life difficult. We have deaths, there's no question, but the main objective of these first four is really to withdraw the first thing that God uh, provided for man. Let's go back to Genesis. What did God say about each one of the things he created in creating the earth? This is good. This is good. This is good. What we don't often associate with is what he's really saying is this is, will be good for. These were things created for us. These were things God had, had in his uh, general grace, his, his universal grace, uh, has provided for us. Um, sin or no sin, we, it, it certainly has been difficult with um, the uh, imp 
impact of sin. We have weeds and we have droughts, things like that, but we still generally have a fruitful earth, not as fruitful as it was. We have the access to the food in the seas uh, and the idea of not having fresh water uh, is part of that judgment of, uh, as well. Um, and then the fresh water. God, God has made it possible for us to have life and have it abundantly, even after sin. And he is going to start taking that away. And now you're going to have to... And, and these, this condition doesn't go away. Uh, and I'm going to keep coming back to this. Remember, they're doing all of this while having a third of all the resources available for life gone. And so that's the first challenge that they're going to be up against is an environmental challenge. How are we going to survive with a third of the resources gone? I guarantee you the rapture event will not destroy a third of the population. If you've ever been to a disaster zone um, and you see the, the ramifications of that, I think I saw a little bit of it at Haiti, but I was late on the scene really. Uh, they're in Port-au-Prince. Um, you don't recover from something like this in a month or two. Uh, and they're not going to recover from this uh, all the way through. For the next seven years, as we look into all the further judgments, these are still going on. These are still the, the effect of these is still going to be felt all the way through. And so we have this set of four. Our last one for tonight is the fifth one. Remember, we have a woe. Oh, I'm not going to get the fifth one. We've got to talk about the woes. There are three woes spoken in heaven that are on the scroll. Did I get them on the scroll? Yeah. Let's look at this uh, real quick. There are three woes. They are described here. After the fourth angel, before the fifth, woe the heavens of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. We're going to have a fifth trumpet, and this effect is going to be particularly uh, made just for men. Uh, they're going to be there to not let men die. We're going to have a sixth trumpet that, again, is uh, going to kill a third of the earth. Now we're going to find a third of the earth dying. Not prior to, after. And a seventh trumpet is going to open up another series of judgments, of wrath. So when we come along, we're going to see one. this woe is past, and, and there's yet another. Uh, and in this woe, the judgments of God are fulfilled. And that's really describing the bold judgments that we're going to get to. But we find three woes. So this kind of, um, this is the condition from here out. Much like the first four seals represent the condition from now on through of uh, the church age. Well, now we have, we're out of the church age. Now we're into the age of the time of Jacob's trouble, the age of wrath. These are the four conditions right off in the front end of it that's going to be there the rest of the time. They are going to be ongoing. And they are, so this sets the stage. Now, the woe, 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 many people, some people will identify that these three only are the wrath of God, that this isn't. 
And I will contend that, that that's being very specific and that we don't find that, um, but rather that the silence in heaven speaks more to the presence of the wrath of God, the outpouring of the wrath, the beginning of something distinct than the declaration of the three woes. But we have the woes coming forward. They're going to start with the three trumpets. But remember, the last trumpet is really opening up what we describe as the bold judgments, the end. But there's something weird about the bold judgments because a lot of those are maneuvering to bring man to the point where we can have Armageddon occur. And so the angel says the next three are the main thrust of God's wrath. But I'm not going to exclude these four from it um, simply because of that declaration. Um, these, the focus is on the environment that man lives in. To take away a significant portion of that which God gave us the creation. And uh, then he is going to torment them and then a third are going to die. That's the fifth, the sixth, and then we're going to get into the seventh. So we're going to look at those a lot more next week. But we have this onslaught. But remember, um, uh, this is righteous. This is just. Um, now, if you are on earth during this time, what have you seen? If you are an earth dweller at this point, what have you seen? Have you seen angels sounding trumpets? No. You haven't seen that part. Have you seen the incense and the throne of God? No. So, what have you seen? You've just seen a bunch of stuff fall on you from the heavens. Um, how can you account for that? Natural phenomenon. This is just natural phenomenon. As far as people on earth are concerned. It's cataclysmic, yes. But we can account for all of this, right? We can account for these things coming out of the heavens because we don't know what's out there, but we do know some things that are out there that uh, and we have already fashioned them in our imagination and put them to film. Um, we already imagined this kind of cataclysm. wonder where they got the ideas. And so from an earthly perspective, these people are not attributing this to God by and large. Other than cursing his name for allowing it to happen. There is no evidence in this environment that people are coming to Christ. None. In fact, we're going to have specific statements saying that no one repented that people cursed God, that people clenched their jaw against him. This is not a place for repentance. This is a place for the outpouring of God's wrath. The Bible says God's plan is to save us from the wrath to come. He wants to implement that. So we're going to look at... Uh, the next two trumpet judgments next week. Hopefully we'll have our timeline back up there and you'll see better trumpets than what I can build, draw. Um, and we're going to start looking at these woes, the, the three woes as they're poured out. Um, we're going to have another parenthesis, uh, kind of take a deep breath um, before we finish this up to 
backtrack and talk about why these things are necessary and some of the people we're going to be um, uh, and nations and entities that are going to be involved in this and why. Um, but uh, if we press on uh, chronologically, uh, we would have to jump over several chapters. So we're going to back up our timeline after we get through some of these trumpets uh, to look back at uh, some more of God explaining why this is righteous. Um, you might say, well, he's God. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. Not really. Um, God is allowed to do what he has determined is righteous and he cannot break those principles. So if God has declared something to be true and has set himself to it, he himself is bound by it. So he is bound by the fact that he cannot use a flood to judge the earth because he promised. And so um, he has set a pattern, he has set a principle that he will only judge uh, and he will demonstrate the righteousness as well as the necessity of judgment uh, prior to his judgment, in the midst of his judgment, and after his judgment. This is what he did with Israel prior to there were prophets, during there were prophets, and after there were prophets, right? Saying, please repent so this doesn't happen. You should have repented. This is what's happening because of it. And now we are repenting and let's uh, get right with God. So in the midst of judgment, God always uh, has these principles that he's going to follow. And so we're going to see them played out as well. That he's going to, in the midst of all of this about the future that's kind of scary, he's going to keep reinforcing the the justice of it. That there is that they, he has not just a legal right to do it, but he has a moral right and a moral responsibility to do it. And it's not just a mean God up there just can't wait to throw his lightning bolts at us. Okay, that's a Greek idea. That's really the false gods. The God of, of, of Israel, the God of, of the church, that's not is a, he's a morally uh, benevolent God, but he also is just, and he will avenge his righteousness. But this isn't a vengeance for Christ's righteousness. That's not what this is. Not yet. This is avenging what? This is avenging the church. Our prayers caused this. Our prayers initiated this. Our our prayers. Um, this is all about avenging the maltreatment of God's people by the nations. And that's why we don't take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We don't fight back. We die willingly. We line up to die. We're sheep led to a slaughter because Christ was. We don't cry out. We don't rebel. Um, we suffer and we and we rejoice in it because this is the day of our avenging. We don't seek any vengeance today because this is the age of grace. We seek to save those that are lost, even the ones who are perpetrating it on us in this age. Let's pray.
Lord, I would thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this testimony of your righteous wrath. And Lord, we uh, are already set back by it as just the contemplating the extent of it. And Lord, we um, know it's necessity. Lord, we also know that it calls us to action in this day. That we might be ministers of your grace to those around us. That they might uh, avoid participating in this or worse. We praise this in Christ Jesus' name.